You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Nick. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Dave. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I just uh, looked out my window and the snow stopped, so I'm glad for that. It's uh, still mid-October here as we're recording this, and I wasn't quite ready to start shoveling and snow blowing yet. Yeah, no doubt about that. we got a great topic today, though. I'm excited about yep. uh, talking about love and money and everything in between, right? Yep, yep. Uh, I had originally titled this uh, Love and Happiness. We'll see if that sticks when we uh, when we go to post it. But uh, to quote the uh, the old Beatles song cliche, uh, can't buy me love, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we it's funny. This business is very related to obviously we're financial planners, so we deal with money all the time. But it also, you know, we have a saying around here that we throw out to pretty much everybody that will listen. And that is it's not about the money you have. It's about what you do with those resources to get a better return on life and and. And so that's a lot about what we want to talk about and what we want to dive into today. That relationship between your money and what you do with it. I, I Clients will tell you, I repeat all the time, you know, your money's only as good as what you do with it. And uh, if, uh, mm-hmm. if, you don't, if you don't think about it that way, there's not a lot of point to the, uh, the whole planning. Yeah. So, and kind of the way we see our role as planners, and I think, I think you would echo this is kind of to figure that relationship out with people and help them understand it. Absolutely. You know, when you think about clients coming in and and having a financial plan and kind of moving the pieces of the puzzle around, if clients come in and know exactly what makes them happy and what they want to do with life, the rest of it's kind of easy. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, like most of us, we don't spend too much time thinking about that. We don't spend too much time, you know, working on ourselves and what's important to us and what we want to accomplish. We don't really give ourselves that space. And so a lot of our process is following um, George Kinder and the evoke process and Mm -hmm. making sure that we understand what's most important to you, because that way we can then take the resources that you have and, and kind of put things together around what's most important to you. And it's, right. it's interesting because you don't think of, you know, money is definitely not the most important thing, but when you're searching for happiness in those decisions that you're making, 99% of all the decisions you make have some sort of money are related to money in some sort of way. And so right. you can't, right. you can't get around it. It's yeah. just a fact of life, especially yeah. living yeah. with the current, society that we live in if you if you stop you know and think about what makes you happy and you know we ask clients for their goals and uh you know we help them help them figure out what those should be but you know we we usually hear things about spending more time with the family doing more traveling starting a new hobby these are all you know the kind of the common things that come up on the wish list as people you know move from you know, beginning careers towards the middle of their careers and then then transitioning into retirement or financial freedom or however you want to define that. But, you know, the kind of common themes and, you know, it's, there's always, there's always a variety of things that might be holding people back, but almost inevitably most of them boil down to money. Absolutely. And and I don't know if you've noticed this, Dave, but I've noticed a lot with the, of my clients that we're working with that, you know, COVID-19 and kind of slowing down the world and 
stay at home being, mm-hmm. you know, the new reality now that people's perspective has really changed on in, in a lot of different ways. And so I think that's kind of the blessing in disguise, you know, for the optimist out there. It's really had it's really slowed this fast paced world down for a lot of people and allow them to kind of realize how important it is to be home, how nice it is to be home and with the family and the kids yes. and and. It'll be interesting to see when things go back to, you know, whatever the new normal is going to be, how that affects people. Do we get right back on the rat wheel and and keep running or is there going to be some sort of, hey, wait a minute, I kind of liked being home all the time. I think we've already seen that show up in plan updates for a few people where we've seen emphasis shift from like, like I had a, I had a couple folks planning big trips. This is more, you know, I, and yes, they can't do those right now, but it wasn't about postponing those. It was really about rethinking, you know, I think next year we'd like to, instead of do that big trip to Europe, even if we can, we would rather set up something to be close to the grandkids and maybe have them come visit us at a cabin on the lake or, you know, and, and and shifting, you know, some of it is, some of it's a little interesting. You know, uh, I've I, we've seen a lot of folks shift emphasis to like home improvement kind of things. And right. I think part of that is you spend you everybody spent like March through July staring at the, you know the same four walls and thinking about what yeah. they could how they could improve it. But uh, but you know, to your point, it's it's forced a kind of a get real about what's important to you thought process that isn't necessarily unhealthy in the, in, in the greater scheme of things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my family and friends, we are big into our kids and what's going on with our kids right now. Mm -hmm. I've got a 16 year old and a nine year old at home. And so that means sporting events and everything in between and what used to be spending all day after work running around ch- taking them different places, you know, that really kind of went to a dead stop standstill. Right, right. And so not this, you know, helicopter parent thing. And and I got to tell you, that was nice. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, going back into, you know, we're in two soccer leagues right now. Uh, or two soccer teams right now, and it's not that bad because it's one day a week and they don't have school, so we're not picking them up and doing that kind of thing. But, you know, it's nice to kind of be able to take a breather from that stuff and then really kind of figure out how that, what role that plays into going forward. Right, and figure out that balance, you know. Yes. What, what, did you, what did you really miss from March to July that you want to see come back? But what did you realize wasn't really that big a deal? And it was actually kind of nice to have that out of the way. I think that's, you know, that's going to be a different list for everybody. But, uh, you know, that's, it, it has kind of reframed that. Whatever, whatever those goals or, you know, big picture items on and anybody's list, they almost always come down to time and money. And time and money are almost inseparable. You know, if you if if what really would make you happy is is you know taking a summer and hiking the Appalachian Trail, well, you've got to be in a position where you can take time off from your job or actually be in retirement. Or you know, there's there's a money aspect to that to coming up with the time. If if it's just having more free time to spend with the family, that time still has to come from somewhere and something's got to give. It's often money 
that makes that happen one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and time is everybody gets the same amount of time allotted, you know, every year you don't, you don't, you can't buy more time. And so it's a, a finite resource. And, and so that's, as you know, Dave, um, a big thing for me in terms of, you know, time blocking, making sure that I'm doing what I need to do and, and making sure priorities are there, but I'm a big studier of time and, and how to spend it wisely. And right. that doesn't necessarily, a lot of, I feel like like a lot of times people when they think of time if i could just do more things in less time yes. unfortunately that's not the way that it works yes um, you and i found this out myself the hard way unfortunately <laughs> after struggling with it for years but of finding out you know how can you do less in you know how how can you do more in less time and i think you know how you prioritize things how you set up your day how you make sure you're getting important things done first is all a big part of that and i think that really has to go into what you value most and and as you know when we're doing financial planning and we're going through this process we want to know what's most important to you so mm-hmm. we can help kind of remove those obstacles away from that so what and, and focus on that and so i tell people all the time when we're making fi- when we're helping you make financial decisions it's all about what's going to get you closer to what's most important to you not mm-hmm. necessarily what's going to make you more money right, right. we don't right. do it in a vacuum of hey this is going to be the best thing for you financially and on, yeah. fortunately or unfortunately in our business there's always a right answer financially oh, um, yeah. unfortunately that answer is we should all be living in cardboard boxes with multi-million dollar investment accounts right. because we're right. saving everything and spending right. nothing and that's just not reality and so no. how do we balance that how do we make sure when we're making a financial decision it's getting you closer to being able to spend more time with your kids and not necessarily maybe what's the financial best answer based on you know how much how you could maximize savings yeah. or investing yeah yeah. Again, the account value is only worth what you do with it. And, uh, right. You know, right. it's, you know, we, we talk about that and I think in the, you and I both read a book last fall called happy money. And one of the things that stands out to people that read that book, and that's a, it's a pretty academic book written. It's really a good read for just about anybody, but it's, it's got a lot of, uh, you know, actual research and studies behind how people use money and, and what makes them happy. And one thing that always jumps out to, I think everybody that's read the book has mentioned this to me that, you know, they basically have shown statistically that when incomes get above $75,000 a year, happiness doesn't go up. Right. And I think, I think most people expect there's probably that point at some, you know, some level of income, you don't necessarily become happier. But I think most people would have thought that would be, you know, in the, yeah, in a much, I don't know, put a number on it, you know, half million dollars. I I don't know, take your pick, but $75,000 a year doesn't sound like much, but when they look at the key indicators of happiness, it doesn't seem to change when people get above that. That just amazed me. But I think it says a yeah. lot about, about our society and our, our view of money. Right. I was blown away by that too. 75 yeah. seemed really low to me. And, and it's interesting. I think everybody thinks that whatever that number is, where there's not, you know, get more happiness is like 20, <laughs> 30,000 more than what they're making. What they're making. Right? right, right, right. It's all relative. And it will always be, you know, the old, uh, those that book from the 90s of Who Moved My Cheese, you know, it's always a moving target that uh, 
you're never going to quite get there. But that's, you know, if you, but that's, that's, I think actually kind of her point too, is that, you know, it's a lot of it is about the framing and how we think about money. You're not really getting any happier with the increased income because you're just spending more and you're more stressed and you're more tired and you're more worried about where's that next dollar going to come from to make sure that everything stays in place. And so the actual happiness doesn't go up. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the key to that is finding out what's truly important to you, what you want to do in life, and then taking the resources you have and pursuing those things. You know, once you're over that $75,000 threshold, you know, and you have your basic needs met, then you really have to do the hard planning of figuring out what you want to do so you can allocate those resources to that to make that work for you. We talk a lot about budgets and and uh, and that sort of stuff on this uh, on this podcast and our writing. But, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to money and priorities and how you budget your money and what you do really says it all. You know, um, you know, we think about money and planning and, and, you know, once you get to that point where you have some, you know, discretionary income and you're, and you're comfortable and, and making sure you have that plan to take some of that stress and that complexity out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why we as financial planners, when we're working with people and we're creating these plans, we want to gear it towards your goals, number one. But number two, we want to take a lot of that stress and anxiety right. out of it as well so that you can focus on what's most important to you. I mean, and I would say our ideal clients are those that want to let us do some of that. You know, we can't do it all, but yeah. the background work that we can do to take it off of them so they can spend more time with their families so that they can go pursue, you know, the Appalachian yeah. Trail or whatever it is that's yeah. on their bucket list that they want to accomplish and live, you know, without regrets. We can, we love handling some of the back end stuff to set people up to be able to do that. I've been, I've been one form or another building portfolios for over 20 years now. And I'll be the first one to tell you if you want to learn, if you want to do it, the information's out there. We live in the information age, it's never been a better time to be able to learn and do those things on your own. But if that's really how you want to spend your retirement, fine. But I can tell you too, from that experience, it's, it's a job. And, you know, if you enjoy it and if that's what brings you happiness, that's fine. Otherwise, you know, those are just, just like I wouldn't try to build a house and, you know, people have, I've got friends that can attest to my um, carpentry skills because I do try to, you know, <laughs> bang some nails together every once in a while. But uh, but uh, it's more there for fun than uh, anything we'd want to uh, have to rely upon. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, it's, I'm the same way. You know, I'm Dutch, and so you can throw out all the jokes you want about the Dutch people, but we struggle spending money. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, and so being able to learn that about myself and also learn, okay, what do I not want to do? You know, and, mm-hmm. and really you should, along with having a list of what you want to do, you should probably have a list of what you don't right, want to do. Right. Right. And so for me cleaning my house, we, you know, have, we hire somebody to do that. I'm definitely not going to do anything near my car, um, because mm-hmm. that would be disastrous. I'm not going to do my own legal work. Um, so there's some things that, you know, could I probably find a YouTube video that would walk me through that and do it? Yeah. But would it frustrate me and waste a whole bunch of my time? Absolutely. 
Um, and so, you know, kind of knowing what you enjoy doing and knowing what you don't enjoy doing and, and prioritizing those and spending those resources on not having to do what you don't enjoy doing so you can focus on what you do, I think is a huge help. Well, you know, at the end of the day, it's a complex world and few things are more complex than modern finance. And then you throw our own subjective mindset into the mix too. And I guess, I guess what I'm trying to get at there is, you know, it's a lot easier for me to give you financial advice than it is for me to give myself financial advice. Right. And that's, you know, that's speaking as a professional. Now, you know, if I can't, I'm well aware that it's hard to be objective about my own stuff and, uh, but trying to um, talk to you know, individuals about their, their money is a little different because I'm not going to be emotionally tied to it. Yeah. And, and, you know, emotions and finance are a huge thing. And and what we both see is that people make the worst financial decisions when there's the most chaos going on, when there's most emotions involved in those decisions and, you know, having somebody that is not emotionally attached to your financial decisions that can be objective to your situation yeah. is really, in a lot of cases, a godsend. Yeah. Slap you um, on the cheek and say, snap out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to do again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's but, think about you, this. You know, to your point, too, it's, you know, uh, it's exactly in the midst of all that chaos when you're going to feel the most like you need to do something. Right. And, uh, Absolutely. You know, it's a whole nother podcast topic, but, you know, nine times out of 10, the right answer in those situations is to do nothing. But, right. you know, if you can't sort, you know, being able to sort through those things objectively and say, look, you know, you're you might feel better if you do something. It's not the time to do anything is 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 half the battle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's 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 really, I think, a big part of what we do is help people figure out that relationship between happiness and love for lack of a better word about what they want to do with their lives and how to make that happen and remove some of those financial obstacles, you know, from a practical standpoint where, you know, it's not often we tell people, Hey, yeah, just go quit your job and go, uh, you know, build your cabin on the side of Walden, uh, Walden pond. But, uh, you know, we can also help you figure out what's the, what are the steps you can take to start moving in that direction or find the things, the barriers you can remove. So you get there when, you know, in good time. We, as in general, we don't spend enough time thinking about this stuff. We don't spend enough time talking to our spouses about this stuff and just having that space to kind of think about it. It's, mm-hmm. it's hugely important. And I know personally, I've kind of gone through our process, the evoke process with George Kinder a couple of different times. And the times that I actually went through it and worked with people was much, much more successful than when I just tried to do it on my own. And so having that person there that you can bounce ideas off of, that can be supportive of you, that can be, that can energize you is, you know, really the recipe to success. And, and some of these things yeah you can do them on your own but if it takes you four years to do something on your own that you could do in six months to a year with the help of a professional you know just think of how many more things you could do in that time frame i uh, i think we've uh, we've covered that topic pretty well 
Yeah, I think that was a good kind of segue into uh, financial life planning, kind of how we do it and, and how and why money and how it relates to um, what you want to do in life and, and what you and what your happiness is and how those things really intertwine and, and how you can use those to maximize your own personal financial situation. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Nick. Yeah, this was fun, Dave. All see right. you again next week. Yeah, see you next week. Thanks. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.